good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, good evening, welcome to a very special bonus episode of Straight Talking English. This will be dropping for you on Shakespeare's birthday, the 23rd of April. And I thought I'd take this time to address a question I get a lot. Really, if I had like a pound for every time someone asked me this, I could probably retire already. Why are we bothering to study Shakespeare? Well, there are four reasons I can think of. Mainly, as you might have guessed by the topic of my podcasts and my revision guides. Oh, did you like my nifty plug? You can get them on Tez or straighttalkingenglish.com and they're really good. You can tell from all of that that I really like Shakespeare. And true story, I did not. I used to absolutely hate it when I first did my teacher training. It felt like pulling teeth. But after a couple of years, I've got my teeth into him. First reason, first reason that I think we should study Shakespeare is how many current works, current popular things, owe an inspiration to Alfred William? Well, first up, obviously, The Lion King. The Lion King has been described as Hamlet with lions which actually seems kind of a fair summary. But it's not just that. Um, George R. R. Martin, curmudgeonly old grandpa of Game of Thrones fame, in an article with Rolling Stone said, actually, a lot of the sources he's cribbed from that went into forming Game of Thrones owe their backstory to Shakespeare. And also, like, just directly Shakespeare himself. If this is interesting, by the way, read a series by Maurice Drouin, quite an obscure French writer, that George R. R. Martin has literally cribbed from, like, word to word. But if we're talking about Shakespearean influence in Game of Thrones, look at Cersei. Cersei Lannister. She could be a shoo-in for Lady Macbeth. Falstaff. The big, fat party guy. Robert Baratheon, who died in the first series. Littlefinger is a proper Iago, a proper, like, menacing little manipulator. If you like Game of Thrones, you like Shakespeare. So recently there was this project called the Hogarth Shakespeare, in which popular writers rewrote Shakespeare stories in, like, their own way, with the same premise, and they've been hugely popular. So I read the Margaret Atwood one, Hagseed, about this guy who puts on a production of The Tempest in prison, and it is absolutely amazing. These stories are still good. I think they were good in the first place, but they're good now. And this brings me on to my second point, which I've kind of already said. These stories are good. So, picture for a second a TV show. It is gang violence. We've got these two brutal gangs, different postcodes of South London. We've got SE12, we've got SE20, we've got SE10. We've got all the bad postcodes, and I'm literally just naming ones that I've lived in, by the way, no real prejudice. But two lovers from different gangs get together, but then the boy is done for joint enterprise, sent away, and the girl decides that she's going to fake a drug OD to get out of her gang commitments. That sounds awesome. I would watch that, especially if it had them people from kid adulthood in it. And I've basically just described Romeo and Juliet. Are you telling me that would not work? That would work as a movie. I've patented it. I've got it first. Nobody else take that movie. Alternatively, and I think about this quite a lot, actually, whenever I text anything, whenever I text, whenever I tweet or see anything about Kanye West. So my most recent ex-boyfriend was obsessed with Kanye West. 
And as a result, I got like quite into like his backstory, if not his music. And I'm personally maintained that he was a genius. He may still be a genius, but he's definitely going down a bit of a weird path with some of the things he said and I really feel like he could benefit from some time off somewhere quiet. But imagine if before the fall, the fall of Kanye, if a hanger-on, a little white guy, a little hanger-on, had messed with his mind sufficiently that he murdered his girlfriend. That would be huge! That would be celebrity news of the millennium. And I've just told you the plot of Othello. Give or take. The other one, which, um, the first time I read this play, I was 18 and my grandfather had just passed away. And it hit me in the gut, this one scene. And even now I'm like, I can't cope with this. But this play translates really well to like a dynasty style soap opera. So if you had, imagine for a second, Texas Oil Baron decides to divide up his company between his three children. Again, another downfall. They all end up kicking him out. He ends up on the street and there's a bunch of murders. That's King Lear. Again, I would watch that. I don't know if this is telling you quite a lot about my taste in TV. I've just finished Parks and Rec season three since I've been at home quite a lot recently. That and Trailer Park Boys have been my like poisons at the moment. But these stories are good. If you are a scriptwriter and you want to make a story out of this, I can and will take a percentage. But if you like stories about murder, love, death, destroying society, magic and the power of the heavens, then you like Shakespeare. The other thing is his stories can be used now for different purposes. So thinking of two productions of Romeo and Juliet I've heard about. One of them involves two male footballers from different teams bringing to light the issue of homophobia in sport. And I really like that because it's got the main theme and it's got a quote-unquote reason for the hatred between the two sides. There was another amazing one where half the actors were in Palestine, half of them were in Israel, and they did a lot of the play via Skype to show how difficult people's lives are. And these stories can be translated not just for entertainment, but into actually making a point because a lot of his work was current affairs. Nice segue into reason number three why we should study Shakespeare. It's a time capsule. Like, I've said it's relevant now, but isn't it a good way to see the past? So I was thinking about this. If I, I live in Greenwich, if I got the DLR to Docklands, well, that would be about 10 minutes. And well, why Docklands? Well, I know there used to be docks because my, my granddad told me they used to be docks. But when did that start? Where did the ships go to and from? Was this an interesting place? Well, that all started more or less in the Elizabethan era, the era of Romeo and Juliet. So already, if I want to know about that, I can look to Shakespeare. Well, Blackheath, if I get the bus up the hill. Why is that empty? I know it's empty because gruesome fact of the day. That's where the plague pits were after some of the massive plagues, especially during Charles I's time. You can't build down the foundations or you unleash a plague. Well, okay, I know that plagues are bad. I've played pandemic, but what, what impact would that have on people? I'm gonna look to Shakespeare. Because I know when Mercutio says a plague on both your houses, that's terrible. But with about 10 seconds of research, Shakespeare can tell me about that. Southwark. Well, I've got a client that lives in Southwark. It's one bus from my house. Well, I always thought Southwark was quite rough. And I have to actually changed my opinion on that, to be honest, because I quite like 
getting the bus down through Southwark. I think it's quite cool. But why do we have this idea that Southwark is rough when there's some amazing houses around there? Well, it's actually outside the traditional city limits of London. It was like beyond direct control. It was kind of like this grey area where stuff could go on that might have been disapproved of, like the bear fights. Yep, dogs versus bears, take your bets. Or even crazy, (laughs) controversial theatres. It's rough, so Shakespeare moved in there, all of a sudden, answering some questions. Even Greenwich, even if I take a 10 minute walk down the road, I get to the Maritime Museum, and that was where Elizabeth I lived. It was her, like, country retreat. Well, I don't know what it's like to be a king or a queen back then. If I wanted to imagine, while I'm walking around there having a coffee, as I tend to do, actually, because I I like having that warm-up in my day. Or if I wanted to imagine I'm a queen, where can I get the information from that? Well, actually, if I read Lear, or Richard II, or Richard III, or Henry IV, like, half of them, then I've got that information because Shakespeare is my time capsule. The other thing is, like, whether we like him or not, he is part of our British identity and he was there when Britain became an idea rather than just England. Like I say, people from all over the world associate us with Shakespeare. So why not? Why not embrace him? Why not see what he's got to tell us as part of this time capsule? The interesting part of this, through my research of doing this podcast, is all of these links to this anti-Catholic sentiment that he's playing on. The bad guys being like the Europeans, or this hint of rebellion underneath. And it actually answered a question I'd had for a while, which is, why are my grandma and granddad buried in a weird faraway part of Lewisham Cemetery? Which is a question I ask frequently when I have to walk through the mud because their bit doesn't have proper paths. The answer is because they're Catholic. Even as far, far back in the distant past, imagine an alien time called the 1980s. The Catholics still had to have their own bit. And that sentiment has not really changed. The sentiment he plays on, while obviously we are a far more tolerant and respectful society now, the sentiment he talks about is the reason that my grandparents, I can't use the path if I want to lay flowers on their to- on their tomb that'd be amazing a bit like the capulet tomb some kind of dramatic structure no no it's a gravestone but that answers it in a weird way the fourth reason my fourth and final reason why we should be studying shakespeare why shakespeare is awesome is that he himself is a role model like we always have role models we always have assemblies and like who is your hero and when i had to do them when i was in the classroom i found it really difficult and i ended up just making something up as if i'm talking about genuine heroes uh the british historian ed eric hobsbawm vincent van gogh but shakespeare is a damn good role model he's a self-made man he started out all right middle class he didn't come from nothing he ended up a rich guy and that didn't come come from his mum and dad came from his hard work. He supported his family. When his girlfriend got pregnant, he married her. And throughout his whole life, his family were wealthy, happy, and supported. And that in itself makes someone a good role model, in my opinion. He had to deal with specific censorship, with things you could and couldn't say. And he was the only writer of the time who was not arrested for doing something seditious and going underground. Well, he wasn't arrested because he was smart. He made his point by working around the censorship, by taking lessons from history and pretending things are set somewhere else and making his point subtly. And that's smart, that is a good role model. The kid that breaks the rules in class, who like, (laughs) oh God, this is flashbacks now, 
uh, empties a can of Red Bull across someone else's head is the person that gets in trouble. The kid that plays it safe all year and then has one moment in which the Red Bull emerges is the smart person. <laughs> Though to be fair, the whole Red Bull hair incident was pretty awful. I don't think anyone emerged from that well. He changed city. So Coventry to London isn't that far now. You can do it in about two hours. But it's a long way. And he moved city to chase his dreams. I mean, there's some controversy about why he moved to London. Some people think he was studying to be a lawyer. Some people think he saw some actors and became friends with them, then moved down with them. I don't know, but he's ended up in London doing what he wants to do. He's a regular guy, and through his education, he grasped all this difficult stuff. He became fluent in ancient languages. And that's the thing, if you're educated and you've got this knowledge that you've accessed, then you can do that kind of crazy stuff. Like, I've mentioned before, I'm fairly sure I've mentioned before, I'm white British, I'm pretty much 100% British, my great uncle did our family trade back forever, but my mum's family are Irish, and Shakespeare's audience, which people think now is old white people, it's old white people just there like clapping and the jewellery rattles as they applaud, it's not, his audience are basically people like me. So you could go there, you could be young, you could be old, you could be from anywhere in the world actually. It's a fantastic book called The Black Tudors which I really recommend people read. We have people coming in from like all the major ports all over the world, Mediterranean, Turkey, Africa, there's definitely contact with India as well. I'm not sure about other countries so I'm playing it safe. But his audience are from everywhere. Think about the fact that Othello is a black guy, but they never make a point of being like, oh my gosh, how did this black man get this job? No, it's just assumed that, yeah, that's that's fine, that's reasonable as a black guy as a general. If you think 500 years ago, that's, you know, you'd expect things to be different, but no, he's pro, as far as I can tell, pro anyone who buys a ticket. I don't think he's especially fussed about who you are, where you're from, as long as you buy a ticket. And I like that. I like the fact that he's got this, like, London identity, which I feel, which is close to my London identity in my head, because my London identity is, like, go for curry, isn't it awesome, we all hate the tube, you know, like, we're all just Londoners. And that's what Shakespeare's talking about, that's the people he's talking to. So, while initially, you might think Shakespeare is for teachers, Shakespeare is for old white people, and I am turning 32 tomorrow, so I do count myself in the old white people demographic. Shakespeare is also for me in terms of being a Londoner, being in terms of having heritage from two countries. That, that is what Shakespeare is doing. So if you say, why do we study Shakespeare? What's the point? I'm saying, because so many things that you enjoy now come from him. His story's good, he's a good role model, and it tells us a lot about where stuff has come from. So there you go! Happy St George's Day! He slayed a dragon, and our national saint is a Turkish person. Kinda like that. And happy Shakespeare's birthday and death day! I'm really, really hoping, because I'm using a new microphone for this, that this audio will come out crispy crispy. Remember, if you are interested in study guides, they are available on Tez. They are available on straighttalkenglish.com. All my podcasts are up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify and Castbox. I'm on Twitter, str8talkenglish and straighttalkenglish.com and I can't think of any other outlets where I'm on. 
have a lovely lovely day next episode of Macbeth on women will be up very very shortly and I will speak to you soon